weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. I'm Jay Catch, joined by Brian Brown, filling in for Adrian Lizer today. And without further ado, Brian, let's get out to the Zone phone, the Sprint Special guest line, and talk with Tony Parks, host of the Tony and Austin show here on the Zone. He is in Chicago for NBA All-Star Weekend. Tony, how's it going, my friend? It is great, man. It is great. Anytime you can uh, be in this city, although it's very, very cold, uh, it is a good thing. Uh, and on top of that, man, it's it's great to be a part of uh, what will be a really special night tomorrow night, as well as a special weekend overall. And uh, no, it's a, it's a great time, man. You gotta love this place. I don't know if you guys have been to the city before. Um, so many unique features, so many great restaurants, uh, so much great history. Uh, so yeah, man, excited to be here. I've, I've been to the city quite a few times, and and. Uh, having the chance to be there tomorrow night uh, to see Donovan and Rudy in that first All-Star game, I think it'll be truly special. So I'm I'm going to go right to it, Tony. Have you been to Giordano's yet? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just went there this morning. Yeah. <laughs> now we, uh, my wife and I, had a special event this morning at Giordano's. Uh, we had some children from the Misericordia School uh, that we hosted over there, and big thanks to Giordano's for doing such a great job and hosting the event. And the kids had a really good time. And, Man, let me tell you, they were live, that's for sure. They said, man, this place has never been hopping like this at 11 a.m. I mean, they were they were on fire, man. They were excited and uh, singing songs that were coming on over the speakers in the restaurant. And uh, that that was as special a morning as we could ask for. So, yep, we've, we've been there, and it won't be our last time being there on the trip. I was going to say, I'm sure you've got a few more stops yeah. planned I know you. Oh yeah. So I, I, on Tony and Austin, you talk about the fact that you actually have frozen Giordano's pizzas in your freezer here in Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Yes. Yes, they are there. They're in my mom's house yeah. right now. See, I, actually, they, I, uh, we order them for the Super Bowl yeah. party. I need to. Year. I need to come over yep. to your house. I, I love Giordano's. I've been to Chicago a few times. You will love it. I know. I love yeah. it. I tell you to bring some home to us, but we both know that that's not going to last. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I think I'd get to maybe the gate. And I'd be like, hey, uh, <laughs> I don't know what happened here. The security got involved. Real attitude, you know. Yeah. Just really, they they weren't quite sure. So it was like either you know throw it away or check it on on the on the plane. Didn't want to risk it. Sorry. Right, that well, and Eli's cheesecake can't yeah. can't do anything for you, man. It yeah. won't make it. All right, Tony. What has been your vibe so far from taking in the sights and sounds? The NBA world essentially has converged there in the Windy City. But what have kind of been your overall vibe from the weekend so far? Well, I mean, it's kind of what it always is. I mean, the NBA All-Star Weekend is really a chance for these players, so many of them, to just exhale for a minute. You know, they love this game. All of them do. They're crazy passionate about this game. And while the competing part is incredibly fun, you know, and the grind is fun and the getting up and practicing and and the day-to-day and or or sometimes a back-to-back or five games in seven nights or – you know, playing every other day for a really long time. Sure, this is this is what they signed up for, and they know that. But the fact that the NBA All-Star break now is so long, that is huge. And the fact that it now, I do know for us, we loved the All-Star game when it was a competition. It made it great television. It made it what we love about the game. 
But for so many of these guys, it is their chance to exhale and just take a look around for a minute and enjoy a few days being around the game and let the game just be fun and not have it be so incredibly serious. And so while I've always had my objections to the game itself saying, man, I wish we could have it like it was with Stockton and Malone and Jordan and Pippen and, you know, Patrick Ewing and maybe Chris Mullen was out there and, you know, the 1993 All-Star game that went to double overtime and it was mm-hmm. unbelievably great competition. That would be nice, but I do get why these players want to take a minute and look around and not have it be something that's incredibly stressful because the rest of their season is incredibly stressful. So last night, yeah, the Rising Stars Challenge was fun. The celebrity game, you know, guys are out there having a good time. Uh, take a minute, laugh. Saturday night uh, festivities. I'm, I'm sure we'll have some good stuff in store for the dunk contest and three-point shooting. Um, but, you know, Donovan said it today, you know, with all the stuff going on with the media availability, and Donovan Mitchell said it today. Like, it's cool to just kind of take in the moment, to look around and be like, wow, I'm here. There's only 24 guys that are here. I've got to enjoy this because before you know it, you're going to be right back in the grind. You're going to be battling for the standings. And that mental stress and that mental energy takes its toll as you go through uh, what is the heavily competitive back half of the NBA season. You know, you mentioned, Tony, that Chicago is a great sports town, and, and currently the Bulls are, are very not great. In fact, Ricky yeah. O'Donnell wrote a pretty scathing piece for SB Nation today talking about how the Bulls really need to turn things around. How is the city of Chicago responding to the All-Star game being there? And what's the energy and the vibe of the city like with, with all these NBA players converging when basketball's kind of been almost overlooked, in a sense, for them recently? Well, the, basketball is a huge deal out here. I mean, there, there is no doubt about that. I mean, uh, all the, from whether kids are playing out at the park or whether you end up with high school games or big tournaments and things like that, you know, this city – they love their basketball. It's a huge, huge deal. And the Chicago Bulls are a huge deal. But I'll tell you what, when they're not good, they're going to let you know about it. And people out here are furious about the fact that Jim Boylan and that crew have not done a great job and that that front office, you know, less than 10 years ago, had a coach that had them as the number one team in the East for multiple years, had them with home court advantage in an Eastern Conference final, had them with an MVP player, uh, you know, that was going along, and they seemed to have something there. And Tom Thibodeau had the Chicago Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals with home court advantage. And I think, I'm trying to remember if he also had best record in the entire NBA. He might have that year. And on top of that, guys, he ends up with, you know, Ronnie Brewer, Carlos Boozer. He had, you know, Kyle Korver. He's got some other guys on that team that were not necessarily dynamic, overwhelmingly dynamic. These guys weren't committed on defense a lot of times. These guys had some flaws in their game. And they were a really well-coached team, seemed to be really well-operated, and it fell apart between, you know, management, coaching, and then overhaul it again, overhaul it again. And before you know it, this team, this organization, which I think should be in a much better place than they are, is in a disastrous spot and is, is, is uh, uh, performing well below what I think they should be. And th- this fan base out here, they're not stupid. They know that, that they demand great things, but they also know – if you're performing less than you should, like they're not fooled by yeah. the eight and eight hollow eight and eight, may I say, season that the Chicago Bears had. You know, they, they're not fooled by that. They know that they had nine games on that schedule that were easy, three that were semi-hard, and four against contenders. They didn't compete at all against those contender uh, in those contender games, 
and they, you know, feasted on some games against teams where they caught at a good time. They know that this isn't a good step forward for their quarterback. Like they're not, they're not fooled by that. So, yeah, they're not happy about that. They love that the All Star game is here, but every single person you talk to about the Bulls just scoffs, rolls their eyes, and goes, "Give me a break," because they deserve better. Yeah, it's an arena that's traditionally been full for the most part, and they're actually bottom oh, yeah. of the league right now in in terms of percentage of capacity. And, and it's you know, I think there's right. maybe some Jazz fans out there that say, "Well, you know, you hate to see it," but at the same time, <laughs> like that's one of those premier <laughs> flagship franchises of of the NBA. And with yeah. you know, Jake and I were talking about it earlier with the All Star Game coming in 2023. You want the Jazz to be really good when they host that thing, and and for them to be bad when the entire NBA is coming into town, it's got to be a little bit of a almost kind of like an embarrassment for Bulls fans, I would think. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a hollow part to it. Mm -hmm. Like, they've got to be like, hey, it's cool. Shaq's going to have that party where he's going to come out and DJ and that's cool. They're going to have, you know, good artists out here. And Hey, that's great. The All-Stars were so incredibly uh, giving in the community. You know, all those things are cool. But you're right. No, but I think you're nailing something here, Brian. There's something hollow about that. And if the Jazz were to host the NBA All-Star Game and be 12th in the West and clearly going nowhere, and let's say there was a major disconnect between coaching and the, and the management, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to have the All-Star Game, but everybody would feel different about it. Now, in 93, they were coming off a year when they went to the West Finals. Correct. People still felt like they were building towards legitimate contention at some point with Stockton, Malone, Sloan, and, and you know, they were still trying to put the pieces together for it. They had a very lovable team, a very identifiable team. My guess is in 2023, that's what we're going to see. I don't think it'll feel like this with this fan base and, and this group out here. Yeah. 2023, I think, will feel incredible uh, with the amount of support and love for you know the event and the excitement about the Jazz in the second half of the year. Yeah, Tony Parks joining us from Chicago live at NBA All-Star Weekend, of course, host of the Tony and Austin show, joining us here on the Saturday show. Tony, your guys' conversation, you and Brian right here, it makes me think about the predicament the New York Knicks find themselves in because you mentioned yeah. the, you mentioned the fact that Chicago, yeah, they're struggling, but the one thing I think that's different between these two legendary franchises is that Madison Square Garden routinely is filled night in and night out for the crap that they're putting on the court, whereas Chicago yeah. fans are actually showing their displeasure by not showing up. And I think that's the impetus right there, where you have Chicago, yeah, they've tried to reboot a couple of different times and it's not working out, but I think they'll continue to try and get things right. Whereas it feels like the Knicks, they're just a lost cause because they just keep cashing checks. Oh, yeah. No, these fans, I think that's an interesting thing. The, these fans out here are saying, okay, fine. You you don't want to have a winner. We love basketball. And yeah. We love that team. Yeah. But we're not going to go spending that money on that kind of stuff. No, and and yeah. the other thing about that is, I mean, I went to a game earlier this year. Uh, it was against the Houston Rockets, and we were out there, and I, it was awesome. I had my uh, Cherry Sloan jersey I've always wanted to okay. wear. The only jersey I've ever worn, not a Jazz jersey, was a Bulls Jerry Sloan. That's the only one I will ever wear, probably, uh, in my life. And uh, So anyway, it was great to be there. I, it wasn't tough to get a ticket, man. It just wasn't. Yeah. It was way too easy. And so, yeah, the fans are going to, to voice their displeasure, and that's the way that'll be. And so I, I love a market that understands what's going on and what's mm-hmm. what. And this, this one does, just like in the Salt Lake market. They know what's going on with their team, which is also why they're in an incredible fever pitch right now uh, for the excitement of what this uh, back half of the season could be. 
It, it, the markets are very similar, I think, in a lot of respects, where it's both fan, smart fan bases and very passionate fan bases. Shifting the conversation a little bit, again, we're speaking with Tony Parks uh, out in Chicago covering the Utah Jazz players at their, as they're at the All-Star game. What's been the reception of Rudy and Donovan as they've actually been at the game? I know initially there was maybe some pushback from fans with Rudy Gobert uh, being named an all-star. I think everybody else who really watches basketball realized that he was well-deserving of it. But how have they been accepted? What kind of attention have they garnered while they've been there? And what have you been able to observe with those two? Yeah, I think the first time that a guy – I think Rudy's the one that is mostly going to be the one where people go, wait, really? That guy? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a chart out there that kind of uh, mixed a bunch of different uh, uh, deeper analytics and stuff like that that blended them all together. And James Harden was first. Rudy Gobert was eighth uh, out of the top 25. I don't think uh, Donovan Mitchell was on it. But, but, like, somebody had tweeted out, like, really, Rudy, eighth? That proves that this whole, you know, this this – uh, mathematical formula here is a sham or something like that. And I think the first time that they see somebody like Rudy in an all-star game, they're going to have their eyes up like, oh, I don't get it. But the more time goes on and you see how much this guy is going to help the Jazz win, and I think the Jazz will have good you know, playoff runs, maybe something like that to go with it, the more that people are going to go, wait a minute, okay, hold on, that, that guy is not just a novelty. He's not just a really big dude that a couple of people – put together some mathematical equation to kind of come up with this reasoning that he's actually really good. No, they're going to notice he is really good. And so there's going to be some pushback when it comes to that because he's not a household name yet. He really is not. And I gave the story about, all right, this is my first time covering an NBA All-Star game or being out in, in an NBA All-Star weekend yeah. uh, in 16 years. The first time was 2004. Um, Andre Karolinko was an All-Star for the Jazz. It was a really interesting year for all-stars like Jamal McGlure was an all-star Peja Stoyakovich. So anyway, I'm there. The jazz were not a great team The feeling around it. And I felt that way. And in every way, it felt that way that this was really cool that Andre Karolinko made an all-star. Never once did I feel like, you know what, this guy's going to put together seven or eight more of these and he's going to be a hall of famer. And you know what? He could lead the jazz to winning at such a huge level. And he's going to be the guy and the reason why that's going to happen. Well, this time around, um, I, I feel like it's totally different, totally different with these two guys being there because they're not just all-stars that happen to be really good players for a team that's in the league. They happen to be winners. They happen to be big-time leaders. They happen to be a team that's really starting to emerge and break through as a legitimate contender rather than just a, a cute little pretender. And so that's why I think it's very different. I feel like with this time around, guys, I'm witnessing the very beginning of illustrious careers and historic careers that jazz fans are going to look back on very, very fondly for a very long time. People, when they compliment Darren Williams, they say, you know, when Darren was in his prime, he was blah, 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 blah. You know, we don't even really have to talk about how great Stockton Malone was. We know. We're like, yeah. the, oh, those guys, you just say their name and you're like, well, yeah, Stockton Malone. I feel like it's going to be that way for Rudy and Donovan. I don't feel like you're going to have to selectively put together windows of years where you say, if you go back and you look at this during this tiny window, wow, were they amazing. No, we're going to look at it and say, those guys were just awesome, and they helped the Jazz win a lot of games for a lot of years. And they're, I predict that these two will be at, at uh, numerous all-star games and have numerous you know, all-NBA uh, accolades throughout their career. Yeah, Tony, 
I'm the type of guy, we were talking about this earlier on the show, that I want to see Rudy Gobert. We see him at shoot-around shooting some outside jumpers, some three-pointers on occasion. <laughs> I want to see him have some fun with this game and really, I think, break out of that shell. I think a lot of the NBA fans probably perceive him. They perceive him as this defensive stopper who is a very limited offensive game. I think tomorrow night, mm-hmm. him just having some fun with it could allow NBA fans to see another side of Rudy and say, okay, this guy actually, okay, he's a little different than I anticipated he would be. Well, yeah, because everything we've ever known about him up to this point is pretty serious. Yeah. I mean, he'll have a little one-liner here and there, yes. some funny little quirky things. The guy's got a sense of humor. But now you want to see it in a game-like situation. I'm, I'm actually right there with you because Rudy Gobert, there is one part of me that wants to see him like totally block somebody's shot and make them mad and sure. then maybe the game yeah. turns into something different. But that's totally that's wishful thinking. Yeah, I'm with you. Let's see him shoot a three. Let's see him have some fun out there. Uh, enjoying himself. Um, this, this needs to be, like I said, a, a moment to exhale for the players and a chance to go out, show some skills, show some ability. Don't get anybody hurt. Uh, there's still a lot uh, left to be played for. And all the way up to this point, this guy has been grinding like crazy. Uh, nobody, I, I, I don't think that the work ethic uh, put in by Rudy Gobert could be exceeded by anybody else in the league. I mean, it is, it is an unquenchable desire to work, to get better to watch the pressure that he puts on himself to not have a liability in any piece of his game. Remember when he was a terrible free throw shooter. Now it's at least respectable. Remember when he didn't have strong enough hands. Well, that's definitely not the case now. Remember when offensively you got to, had to figure out what to do with him. Well, now you're seeing even more and more versatility happen and move its way along. I, I think you pointed something out there. People may envision that this is just a, a defensive stopper. And he's not, not Tyson Chandler guys. Like, yeah. He's incredibly great defensively, and he is very dynamic on offense with vertical spacing, as it's talked about, with you know the ability to set the screen the way he does and be so incredibly impactful. His dunks around the rim finishes now with both hands in, in some tough spots. And, and now the range is coming out a little bit more. If that hook starts to come out even more and more, I'm going to get even more giddy about the second half of the year. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I'm with you. I, wanna, I can't wait to see him in this setting. Uh, because it's something he dreamed of, too, something he told friends before he was ever drafted that he was going to do. And now, instead of him laughing, he's just like, what? I told you. Like, this is just a part of what I envisioned. I believe Rudy also has big visions when it comes to the Utah Jazz, too, and that should have uh, the fans excited. Again, we're talking with Tony Parks of the Zone Sports Network. He's out in Chicago covering the All-Star Game for us. Tony, Years past, and I know that saying Gordon Hayward's name out loud is sometimes looked upon as, as a small sin in this city, but <laughs> when he went to the All-Star game, it felt like there was a lot of acceptance and validation for him when he was a part of some of those great players, and when he returned, he really did step his game up. Now, Rudy and Donovan, have, I feel like, have already had some of that acceptance, and they are both playing at a pretty high level, but is that something that you see happening with the two of them as they're around these greats, they get to kind of interact with them a little more, they feel a little more comfortable and a little bit more a part of that NBA elite brotherhood? Oh, yeah. I mean, whatever they can take to be better players, they're going to do it all the time. It was interesting with Gordon because Gordon goes to the all-star game and you're like, Hey man, like you belong kind of barely, you know? And, and then it was like, is this sustainable for you to be that kind of a player constantly in the league? And now we're watching and sadly an injury, I think has, has also disrupted some of that to be fair to him. Um, I wonder about that. Whereas I feel like these guys, it can be sustainable. Here's the one thing people I don't think truly understood 
about guys like Rudy and Donovan, say, last year. So Rudy got snubbed last year, right? Mm-hmm. And we all knew about that. And you heard constantly about this. You know what? I, I think it's a good thing because now he's going to put a chip on his shoulder. He's going to go out prove more wrong. And you're going to see him go out there. I think this is a good thing. And it's like, okay, here's what makes Rudy and Donovan both very, very special. They are absolutely galvanized by being disrespected. Uh, Rudy wears the 27 jersey. Uh, Rudy will have quick one-liners in an interview here and there. Got it. He is equally, if not more, motivated by success. He is, it, 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 I'm telling you, every single time. And if the, chip on, if the chip needs to go on the shoulder, they know how to use it for a very short period of time because that's really all it's good for. And when it comes to having success and being good with winning or getting an accolade like this or an all-defensive player of the year, you know, if he gets it two years in a row like he has, he wants it a third. If he gets it a third, he wants it a fourth. If he gets it a fourth, he wants it a fifth. These guys, they, they are now going to look forward to their second All-Star game. You know, if they won a title in their career, career, it would all be about trying to get their second one. That is their mindset. And they don't just say that because they don't have to say it. You can see it with the way they work, and you can see it with their attitude. So I find it great that they're at this game. I think they're going to be galvanized by success. I think some players in the history of their career, uh, like a Darren Williams, has tried too hard to be the underdog and the disrespected. That can wear thin real fast, and quite frankly, it doesn't always bring out the best version of yourself. And if you're looking to do that over 82 games, that's not healthy for your team or even for you as an individual. So these dudes are going to take every bit of this experience, every conversation, everything they're going to learn. They're going to apply it to the second part of this year and the rest of their career. And I think you're going to see, yes, like I said before, that they are every bit as galvanized, motivated, and uh, 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 something that will help them excel is success every bit as much as the disrespect card. Because that, that was the whole thing of, oh, my gosh, Darren was the second-to-last pick, or, or Donovan was the second-to-last pick. Should he now go out there in this All-Star game with something to prove? No, they're fine, guys. <laughs> Their big thing is they're successful and they know it, and now they're going to help that galvanize them even more. Well, Tony, can't thank you enough for taking some time out of your schedule to join us today. Looking forward to your coverage of NBA All-Star Weekend, obviously Saturday night events tonight, and then the big game tomorrow. And we'll be talking with you on Monday when you're back here. Oh, well, not here. We're off on Monday. We're back on Tuesday yep. when we're back That's on right. Tuesday talking about it. And we're excited to get your insight on what you kind of observe and what you learn while you're out there covering it, all right? Guys, love being on the air with you guys. Keep rocking it like you do, and uh, we'll see you next week. There you go. Tony Parks, can't thank him enough for taking the time to join us here on The Zone. Some great thoughts there, and I think he, he's right. I think he had a great question there to finish it off, Brian, is how much of a bounce can these guys get off of this appearance? And you hope it does give them a bounce, but there is, I think, part of it. They've already had a little bit of that legitimacy legitimacy heaped upon them just because of their play, but you would like to see them maybe take a little bit of this and say, hey, I belong. Yeah, even if it's just like like Tony said, these yeah. are still human beings that yes. are playing sports. They are not robots quite yet. Um, and emotions play a role in these things. And if you're continually the guy, look, look, Donovan and Rudy have some of the most toughest mindsets and are some of the most mentally tough players, uh, you know, that we've seen in recent years here yeah. here in Salt Lake City. And and a lot of it is just because of how they were raised, what they've had to go through to get to the positions that they're at. But at some point, you do need to mix in those good experiences those good moments those positive mm-hmm. uh you know accepting things yeah. in order to continue to grow as a person it can't always be these negatives you know always carrying a chip on your shoulder otherwise you end up turning into somebody like pj tucker where you're just snarling <laughs> you know, snarling and growling at everybody and, yeah you know people love to see you in pain when you get 
a three splash right in your face. It's true. It is, and it will be interesting. I'm excited to watch this game tomorrow. Yeah. I, I mean, the big thing is it's – for those of us who grew up under the era of Carl yeah. and John, this feels like the return to what it used to be, and, and not to get too nostalgic, but – you want to see the next generation of kids grow up with the kind of experiences that you and I had. Yes. Where the Jazz were good and they were part of the NBA. And, and, and part of that is having all-stars that go there. And I think Rudy and Donovan, you really couldn't ask for better representation. And the other thing about it is, is they are not Stockton and Malone. They're two very different people. Correct. But the symbiotic relationship is continuing to grow with those two. Mm-hmm. And, and just the moments they're having together both on and off the court. You know, they're out there together. I mean, Donovan, <laughs> they're such an odd couple in so many respects. Yes. But Donovan's like, you know what? The biggest thing is I just want to hang out with my man Rudy. And that's, I think that's the start of something that, you know, regardless of what happens, Jazz fans can feel good about that, and it just adds lore to the franchise moving forward. It does, and that's the fun part about it. I'm with Tony. It feels like this is just the beginning of it them going to run. very so, much Similar to so. what you're saying. Like, this upcoming generation, they're going to grow up with these guys being regular participants in the yeah. NBA All-Star festivities, and that's the fun part about it. As, right. as they should be, because they are, you know, climbing their way into the elite of the NBA right now. Correct. So, all right, we'll have more on this, obviously. At the top of the 3 o'clock hour, we're going to switch gears, talk some football. We're going to have Andrew Mitchell, head coach of the Snow College Football program on to talk about the Badgers. Also going to talk some Utah football with former Utah offensive lineman Paul Tuala just recently finished out playing his career up there at Utah. Going to talk with him in the 3 o'clock hour. So we have a lot more still to come. Have five minutes of soccer on our local look-in coming up as well. So a lot to get to here on the Zone Sports Network. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, 1280 AM and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Thanks again for joining us. Halfway through the show. You holding up all right, Brian? I'm hanging in here. Good. I'm looking Good. at dog pictures to keep myself. Dog pictures. All right. Keep my energy up. You big dog fan? Do you have a dog? I, I do have a dog. Okay. Yeah, I've got a black lab. Okay. Um, <laughs> we'll actually talk to Coach Andrew Mitchell later, uh-huh. and, and he might be able to tell you some stories because uh, – True confession, part of the reason he's on the show is because he and I have a, have a friendly relationship. Okay. Uh, we actually shared this dog. Oh, really? Yeah. So yeah. from your time down there at Snow College. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We got him while we were in college. Um, he actually, uh, we were in the middle of practice, and uh, I believe we were in team session. He came bouncing over and said, hey, I got us a dog. And I'm like, right now? <laughs> he's like, yeah. <laughs> so our team trainer had had puppies, and, and so okay. we went over that night and picked him out, and he didn't have a name for like two weeks, and then uh, we settled on Toby. Okay, because we were watching a lot of The Office back then. I like it. Okay, um, update for you guys: Utah Warriors uh, actually won. They beat the New York uh, New, New awesome. England Free Jacks, thirty-nine to thirty-three. So good showing for the Utah Warriors. Yeah. Uh, they're going to have their first home match here in a few weeks. If you have a chance, go watch it. Rugby is actually quite a bit of fun to watch. It's nonstop action. It's actually going to be out there at the Zions Bank a re, a Stadium down there at the Real Salt Lake Academy, and. Uh, this is a up and coming franchise. The third year of the league they're playing in Major League Rugby, and excited to see how they do. But a big win for them on the road down there in Las Vegas. Yeah, and we were talking about it like mm-hmm. that, that. The early part of their schedule didn't look too too favorable, and so that's good for them to get a win. Yeah, um, definitely a big fan of rugby, and it's a really cool, intimate experience. We can go watch those games out in Harriman. The stadium yeah. out there is great. Uh, you know, the team is worth supporting. It's. It, we're evolving here in the state of Utah to where it's going to be harder and harder to get into the really high-end sporting events. Yeah, I think Utah fans know that really well. Yeah. Jazz fans are starting to get the point. Um, you know, BYU's still been able to 
to to you know keep things steady and, and whatnot. But um, you've got to find other ways to to kind of get your sports fix. And I think the Stars are a good one, super cheap. Uh, same with Major League Rugby. I know Utah Lacrosse was in action this afternoon. They actually Correct. dropped a close one to the 17th ranked Air Force Falcons, okay. nine to eight. But you know those are fun sports to get involved in, and you and I are big proponents of that kind of stuff. Well, you Go can find get your the, alternative sport, and you can get into yeah, kind of the base level with a lot of these, yep. like the the bottom level, and that's the fun part about stuff like that. Yeah. All right, uh, Brian, let's talk a little bit. Um, news yesterday: AJ Stewart, BYU running backs coach, got hired by Arizona, and I've, there's been a lot of reaction both ways on this. Uh, a lot of BYU fans upset that a guy like that is getting hired, but by Arizona, but. In this day and age with BYU football, I think this is actually a good thing for Kalani Sitake and his staff to see guys like this come in, succeed. Uh, A.J. Stewart has been there for two years, has dealt with numerous injuries to BYU's running backs during his time there, but he's gotten good production out of his unit. And I think it's a good reflection on the BYU football program to see him getting his opportunity to move up to the Power 5 level. Absolutely. I think it's validation that there are Power 5 programs out there that actually appreciate your staff and what it brings to the table. You know, he's going in to replace DeMarco Murray. Yeah. who is a well-known player, yeah. you know, in, in the game of football. Correct. Both college career at Oklahoma, you know, played a few years with the Dallas Cowboys and then bounced around a little bit, and he's actually returning back to his alma mater to go be the running backs coach there, right? Yes. At Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, and, and so I do think it speaks very highly both to who Kalani is as a head coach and a mentor because I think that's the part about – being a head coach that a lot of people don't understand is a big part of your role is mentoring the coaches that are underneath you and, and getting the best performance possible out of them. And so it's got to be validation for both his work with BYU, you know, his, his ties and history with recruiting, you know, Arizona is a team that's struggling to find their footprint right now. And, and he's a guy that's worked Arizona before. He knows the state. Well, you know, I know that they're BYU is trying to do a lot of work in Arizona. And as you watch recruiting patterns, which you and I do, it's starting to change, and California is starting to drop off, and you're seeing a lot more movement in Arizona and Correct. Nevada mm-hmm. and even Utah where those families in California who can't afford to live there anymore yeah. are going to those states where there are good jobs and, and there are you know opportunities for them, and so the good talent is, is progressing that way. And so I think especially with the tough situation that BYU sits in where it's it's almost always a question of is Kalani the guy – you know, we saw him get the extension this year, which he should have had at the beginning of the season. I don't care what happened, but people kind of want to argue, well, you don't lose to games like Toledo and this, that, and the other yeah. if you're a really great coach. Well, n- yeah, you do, because these are college kids that are playing a sport that's very, very difficult. And and I just challenge anybody who has an issue with that to go back and watch the coaches' room from the national championship game and watch these guys who are 30- and 40-year veterans of the sport Correct. trying to figure out what the heck is going on. <laughs> Yeah, and there's four. I mean, these are brilliant guys. It's Mike Gundy. It's Gary Patterson. These Some are the foremost minds when yeah. it comes to football. Yeah. And they're sitting there like, "Well, why are they doing that? Like, how, why are you asking this question? Should, You're the head coach. You should you, know. Yeah, shouldn't you be breaking this down for us? That's why they brought you on yeah. this broadcast. Yeah. So I, I think it's it, it's a it's a positive, and and you want to see guys cycle through your program. Now, I think Utah fans would maybe counter that with you want to see them cycle through the right reasons. And Correct. this is one of those things, you know. Yeah. And and the other thing, the, the simple fact is that BYU can't or or won't pay guys market rate. That is a massive, massive issue right there. Yep. 
a guy like A.J. Stewart was a phenomenal recruiter. He's been one of those guys, and you're about to get your wish come true right here, Brian. Look yeah, at this. Here we go. Three-point conversion. <laughs> We've got the XFL on in the TV here. We actually were talking in a break about the fact they we wanted to— They kicked a field goal earlier, and yeah. it made me so mad. We wanted to see a team go for three points because in the XFL, the new format is you can go for one, two, or three points. The three-point conversion comes from the 10-yard line. So we're about to watch this live, and we'll we'll break it down for you. Double pass. Double pass. Double pass. And incomplete. Ugh. But at least they went for it, and that's, that's the fun part about it. But getting back to the conversation here with regards to BYU, you're right. They will not pay market rate. That no. it's just it, and for me, I I feel like that's a mistake in this day and age. They they I think they should up the pay for their assistants absolutely because especially considering they're reportedly making more money than most G5 programs that most people can perceive them to be on the level with. I, I don't think the issue for BYU is the ability to pay. I'm, just, I'm sure there are donors out there that would be more than willing to— It's the to, decision yes, to actually do it. Yes, yeah. that's that's the issue, and it's— uh, yeah, but we'll, what, we'll leave yeah, some of those topics yeah. for another day. But, but what Kalani's doing is he's actually— He's being a proponent for his assistant coaches to get opportunities. And that's what you want to see from a head coach. And I think it reflects well on the BYU football program that other programs are coming to poach coaches off your staff. Mm -hmm. I know there, there, there's been a lot of angst from BYU fans about certain assistant coaches during this offseason. A lot of them wanted to see more turnover, especially yeah. on the defensive side of the ball. I get, I get that whole conversation. But... I think this is a mark of respect for Kalani Satake and the coaches he has working for them. When a guy like A.J. Stewart, who was working at Rice, came to BYU, has spent two years dealing with all kinds of injuries to the running back group that BYU has had the last two seasons, and then a team like Arizona, Kevin Sumlin, their head coach there, sees and says, okay, that's a guy I think that could help my program out. I'm going to go hire him. I think that Kalani should use that and wear that as a badge of honor. Just think, okay, there are Power 5 programs who look at the guys on my staff understand the value they could have for their college football program, and they're coming in and hiring them. Now it's a matter of can Kalani replace a guy like A.J. Stewart with a guy who can hold up that um, standard that A.J. Stewart has left in his wake as he leaves BYU. And the other thing, too, for, for A.J., it's almost a risk-free move because even if you go down there to Arizona and they mm -hmm. do make changes after this year, Correct. which some people are anticipating. Well, there's a big conversation yeah. in that regard. And I think I think there's a lot of truth to kind of the rumors and the whispers that this will yeah. probably be summons last year, barring a major turnaround. Um you know, it, it's a risk-free move because he can always go down there, but he can always come back to BYU if he, if he wants to. Oh, yeah, or he'll have opportunities at other programs, yeah. absolutely. And, and as a coach, you always have to climb that ladder. Correct. You always have to make that move unless you feel comfortable. I think one of the rare exceptions to that rule might be Morgan Scally. Yeah. Where he has been so embedded into a culture, into a program, and its legacy that he, it's going to be really hard for a fan base to turn on him. But a guy like AJ? Yeah. I mean, BYU fans don't have super like deep loyalty to him. Yeah, different yeah. with some of the other guys that are actually native sons, though, right? Correct. Yes. So, like you know, Gennaro. It'd some be of a the different story if, if it was Gennaro Guilford, if it was Preston Hadley, some of the guys yep. who have played for BYU now come back to coach for their alma mater. I like your 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 comparison to Morgan Scally. That guy is as Utah ingrained in Utah's culture as almost anybody could be. Yeah, if you were to create a Utah man, it, it is, is Morgan, Morgan Scali. Scali. Absolutely. Yeah. So it is an interesting situation. BYU, will see what they ultimately decide to do if they decide to reassign some guys on the staff to fill that slot. I'd actually be a big proponent for just elevating Harvey Unga, a former BYU running back star, one of the best running backs in BYU history. He's been there as a graduate assistant, is the right-hand man for A.J. Stewart so mm -hmm. far. Seems like a natural progression for him to step up into that spot. And, and that seems to be the prevalent opinion. you know. Yeah. And, and I, think, I think part of it is that you want to have people in that 
that position that understand the culture at BYU. Correct. And you also need to have guys that are young with that kind of energy to do the recruiting. and, and They have a hunger. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you have to find ways to sell BYU, and, and some of that is just being young and cool and relating to those kids. You know, I, I think that's one of those things that with recruiting that we're starting to see a trend change is that a lot of these younger, younger this next generation, the Gen mm-hmm. Z, yes, they want to have that relationship with their coach. They, they want to have more of an intimate, you know, kind of – uh, almost father son or big brother little brother type relationship and so if you can get a good young coach who has experience and Harvey has a lot of experience he's played across a bunch of different levels he's been at BYU for a while he's seen it go from day 1 under Kalani to where it is now and so he's seen the mistakes and the things that they've been able to do well and the things that they've needed to change and so he has an idea of the growth yeah and and to be honest with you, like there's just not really another good name out there for it, right? Yeah. I mean, Jamal Willis, maybe? Jamal Willis, he's currently working at BYU in uh, up in the student center, the Wilkinson Student Center yeah, there. Yeah, but no experience yeah. at that level coaching. He's got Quinton Ganther up there who's been at Weber State for some time now. Right. He's another name that's been thrown out there. And apparently mm-hmm. there's a, another coach that's connected with Gennaro Guilford up at Montana State as mm-hmm. well. So, But we all know BYU, they will not pay top rates. So they're not going to go bring in a guy who has already got experience coaching at this level. It is going to be something that's elevated yeah, from a gen, from a graduate assistant spot like a Harvey Unga would or an a FCS level assistant probably gets elevated to the job. So we'll see what happens. But it is an interesting conversation. And I feel like with BYU... It should be a mark of respect to see a guy like AJ Stewart get taken, get poached off that staff by another college football program because it means that you're doing something right. All right, uh, we'll come back on the other side. We'll get into our little bit of our local look in five minutes of soccer. Um, RSL, Real Salt Lake, they're facing off against one of their rivals in the preseason, and actually it was the preseason that set off this rivalry in the first place. So we'll talk about all of that coming up next, right here on the Saturday Show. Let's go live. We talk jazz, utes, cougars, and Aggies, even on the weekend. weekend. You're locked on to the Saturday show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on The Zone Sports Network. Thanks again for joining us on a Saturday afternoon, wherever you're at. If you're out and about running errands, doing the honey-do list, just kick, kicking back, enjoying a three-day weekend regardless. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Jay Catch, joined in studio by Brian Brown, who's my co-host today. Adrian is off. And love talking sports. We were almost two hours through this thing. We one hour to go almost. Just a breeze, man. It kind of, it kind of flies by, doesn't it? Goes it goes away fast. It's it, That's my favorite part about this is that yeah. you get an hour through and you're like, wait, where did all the time go? But you you, you make do. And there, 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 legitimately, there are times, like I've done radio shows, you get there, you're like, what are we going to talk about? But... You figure it out, and you just kind of go with it. And you and I are the kind of people where we could do this for another three hours afterwards because you and I are just so <laughs> ridiculously obsessed. And yeah. it's nice having Eric on board because I feel like you're getting into that direction, son. You well, youngin, wet behind the ears. Well, I I definitely love sports like very much. We're gonna get you involved in the college football season this next fall, <laughs> and then you're gonna really be hooked. Yeah, I know you're an NFL guy, but this local market, they are they're they, they've sink their talons into the local college football. Program. Oh, college football is so much more fun too. Like the NFL is, is Really? Oh yes. Really? Oh yes, 100%. This is going to be a fun case study with you. Yes. I actually agree yeah. with this. We're going to find out because I have so Eric and my family, I'm the oldest of six boys and a girl in my family. So there's seven kids in the family and all my brothers outside of one are massive sports fans. But we all have our different sports. I'm a college football guy. The NBA is my jam as well. 
I like the NFL, but I've got another brother who is all NFL and doesn't necessarily like college football. He started getting into college football in the last couple of years, has become a huge fan of college football. So we're going to find out. It'll be an interesting case study to see how you do this coming okay. this coming fall. I, I will watch NFL. Yeah. I don't make time for it. I absolutely make time for college football. Yeah. Absolutely. Not just for the coverage aspect of the youths, but I'll like across the country, man. It's yeah. Absolutely. It's See, incredible. maybe I'm just too like maybe I'm just too embedded in the Utes. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's a big part of it too, and and I think a lot of people in this market locally are like that, where it's just been all about Utah and all about BYU, and the world has started to open up to the Utah sports market a little bit more. You know, you see BYU traveling to Florida a lot now. They're mm-hmm. traveling to Texas. Utah has both Houston and and, and Florida on upcoming schedules that have Arkansas in years to come. And so as it starts to open up and you start to play more of those high-level teams, you get how interesting it is. The one that's going to blow your mind is when you start to get into the SEC and what goes on down there. <laughs> that's when the, that's when everything will change for you. Yeah, it does. It's it's kind of funny that way. So it will be an interesting case study to watch you over this next fall and see how see how different your perspective changes with regards to the NFL and, the, and college football. All right, football. well, you guys plug me in. Give me the resources. Go Tigers. We'll do what we can. <laughs> there you go. I like it. All right, uh, five minutes of soccer real quick here. Maybe more like a couple of minutes. But Real Salt Lake begins their preseason action in earnest. Uh, they're be taking on Sporting Kansas City this afternoon. Actually, shortly after we go off air, four o'clock, uh, they'll be in action down there in the Visit Tucson Cup down in Arizona. And the funny thing about this is, is this is uh, probably three, four, five years ago. There's been a pretty good rivalry between RSL and Sporting Kansas City that actually was born out of a preseason match in Arizona, where it, it became a it became it an a full fight, out right? full out brawl. Yeah on the soccer pitch after some hard tackles and whatnot. And that rivalry has existed from that day, and it is a legit rivalry in the MLS ranks. Well, I think it got renewed when you saw both teams show up in the MLS yes. Cup a few years ago. Yeah, and absolutely. There's a, a unique chant that the RSL fans have developed for uh, KC. Yes. We won't mention on air. We can't say that on yeah. air. Nope. nope. <laughs> the name just lends itself to that. I know. I, we'll aware. let everybody else speculate we're on that. Aware. We'll let everyone yeah. speculate. But I, I would say that honestly, and, and we've talked about this before mm-hmm. on the show, Jake, They, I'm a big RSL fan. Like, I'm a diehard yeah. I think RSL all three fan. of us are. And I didn't get to watch as much last year because I, I, I was with the bees most of the time. Yeah. But, man, like, they try to sell – they need to move away from the Colorado thing because it just it doesn't get me going. But what, what gets me going yeah. is sporting Kansas City. I have a friend in Kansas, and like okay. we're tight. We're like best friends. My least favorite characteristic about him is he's a diehard sporting Kansas City fan. Like okay. you just need to lean. It. You need to come up with a trophy for that matchup and just lean into. MLS rivalry, Heineken rivalry week, or whatever you call it. Yeah. No more of this Rocky Mountain Cups business. Like, let us just go after SKC. Let them play four times a year. Just go all in. Yeah. Well, hey, I I'm with you. I just feel like uh, the the Rapids and the, and the RSL rivalry, the the Rocky Mountain Cup. It's just it's due to geography. It's what it is. And the funny thing is, I've been reading up, kind of getting ready for the season upcoming. 
telling you, the Colorado Rapids, they're going to be better this year. That's good. They need to be. They were it's bad been very last lopsided year. the yeah, last few years. They, but they, they did come on at the end of last year. Credit to them. They were like one of the best teams in MLS in August last and year. And they went and hired Robin Frazier, who was a longtime assistant here with Real Salt Lake, one of the more mm. res- well-respected um, assistant coaches in the MLS ranks, finally getting his chance to really lead a franchise since his time with Chivas USA before they folded. So... I, it, it will be an interesting year for MLS as a whole. There's two new franchises coming in, obviously, Inter-Miami FC, RCF. I don't remember which one. And Nashville. Also Nashville also I'm really coming. looking forward to Nashville. Have you seen their jerseys? They look pretty their good. Their jerseys are sick, I'm and actually, I love the logo. I'm, I'm a big fan of Miami's new jersey. The pink and black is a great look, I feel like. Anyways, but it's going to be a fun year for MLS. We'll, of course, be talking about it here on the Saturday shows because we call it Five Minutes of Soccer, and that's what we've just done, Five Minutes of Soccer. So coming back on the other side, we're going to switch gears, talk about the American version. Version of football. You like you like my little my little, my little good stuff. Transition. Good stuff. There. Well done. We're gonna talk with Andrew Mitchell, head coach. Oh, thank you. Hey, there we go. That's what I, that's what I was aiming for there, Eric. We're gonna talk with Andrew Mitchell, head coach of the Snow College football program. They're in an interesting situation down there in Ephraim because they are a program that is on an island, legitimately. And we'll talk about it. that's coming up next right here on the Saturday show.